Julia, welcome to Commerce Talks podcast. Today we are talking about you and uh, Tetra Pak. So please tell our listeners who are you exactly, what are you doing for Tetra Pak and what is Tetra Pak actually? Great, Alex. Thanks so much for inviting me and having me here. Um, I'm Julia Lusher. I am Vice President of Marketing for Tetra Pak. Like many of us who have worked for Tetra Pak, I've been with the company for over 20 years. Uh, it's, it's such a fantastic company with um, and great employees, great ambitions. And uh, I, I lead a team across the world that focuses on things like marketing practices, business insights and analytics, portfolio management, as well as marketing services and some cool things that we do there to support our customers. Ultimately, it's our goal in marketing to support our customers' success. When they succeed, we succeed. But let me tell you a little bit about Tetra Pak um, and what we do. Tetra Pak works with food and beverage manufacturers to make food safe and available everywhere. Our range of food packages protects both the nutritional value and the taste of products inside. We also provide a range of processing and packaging technologies from ice cream and cheese to plant-based dairy alternatives to fruit, vegetables, and pet food, even pet food. We're committed to making food safe and available everywhere, which requires that we collaborate with solutions across the industries, governments, influencers, and consumers, and tough legislation to create a transparent, resilient, and safe food supply chain. Taking further action depends on collaboration, which is why I'm glad I'm here with you today, Alex. Collective action and innovation within the industry and with other stakeholders like retailers and consumers will help us ensure we can feed the planet without impacting the environment. And our ambition is to create the most sustainable food package that's fully recyclable and made from fully renewable or recycled materials that are responsibly sourced and with a reduced impact on nature. We're currently investing about 100 million euro per year over the next five to 10 years to develop these more sustainable packaging solutions. Just a little bit of history that we're a 70 year old plus company founded in Lund, Sweden in 1951. And as of today, we're a company of 25,000 employees, 183 billion packages sold in over 160 countries and 10.8 billion worth of net sales. That's Tetra Pak in a nutshell. Okay, and, and can you, you just uh, you just said that you started in Sweden and I know obviously Tetra Pak from a consumer perspective, but it's not so well known as I, as I think, in, for example, in the in the US, or you have to explain me a little bit, because like for the um, German customers, for example, some of them know that there's uh, milk in a Tetra Pak provided, but we, we don't see it like as a end consumer brands so often. Is, is it the same in other markets? So is it, is it, is it rather a B2B brand or do you try to really be a B2C brand where customers decide for the food they want to buy based on the packaging in the future? Yeah, we, we really are a B2B brand. We do support our customers. And as I said, our customers' success is our success. So if the brands or the retailers are successful in promoting the carton as a sustainable packaging and as the, the right package for consumers to use, then that's where we spend our time and energy. You're also 100% right in the, um, in the brand reach that we have. But in other countries like the US, we're simply known as the juice box company, where most of the juice boxes that children use or in the school milk programs, that those are Tetra Pak cartons, but they don't really recognize the brand so much. So it goes up and down between different countries. Very strong in places like Mexico, Germany, Italy, 
but weaker brand recognition for consumers in other areas. If, if you would go today in a standard supermarket um, and, and see all the different like packaging uh, um, solutions around, so how many of those solutions are really following a sustainable um, trajectory, which, which I think the Tetra Pak uh, in Germany, I can, which I can buy, I can use in our, um, in our sustainable system, so I can get it in the, in, the, in the yellow bin and it will be used for reproducing new uh, Tetra Paks. But how, how much of the packaging you're finding today in a supermarket is it's actually for men for like a reuse uh, in, the in the future? You know, you know, with, with cartons, um, first of all, we don't hold the, the, the main aisle. We do not, uh, you won't see as many cartons as you would in the U.S. supermarket as you would plastic bottles. Uh, but what we're trying to do is connect and become the reference package for those companies and brands that really have sustainable attributes that they want to achieve, that they have a sustainability agenda in front of them that doesn't only focus on recyclability, but also focuses on renewability and circularity. So making sure that the package comes from a sustainable source. And that's why we are so proud of the work that we're doing with the Forest Stewardship Council, making sure that our packages have that branded on them so that we do claim and, and we do source from responsible forests. And then we also want to make sure that we build the, help uh, build the infrastructure for recyclability so that packages are indeed recycled. Uh, and then, in many cases, used for different things, like they can be repurposed into roof tiles or shelving units. So uh, it's more, much more about circularity, and we have a role to play in that circularity, um, much more than maybe other types of, of, um, of packaging materials would. So you obviously have then a, a very uh, elaborate view on the recycled systems on a global on a global scale. And um, I, I was I was told that the system we have here in Germany on the Dach market is it's kind of advanced. I don't I don't know if this is true. So it could be a marketing uh, a trick. And the US is far behind. Only in some areas like in California or Florida, there might there are some recycling. Um, systems. Can, can you give us like a better understanding? So where where do we have this kind of infrastructure already uh, um, um, available? Where kind of recycled cartons are a thing you can use? Because in an in an environment or in an, in an uh, from a geo perspective, in an area where there's no recycling industry is available, then obviously a recycled carton ca ca cannot work, right? So what we want to do is to make sure that we help. Um, customers and consumers understand what the infrastructure should be. And in areas like the Dominican Republic, in areas like Chile, in areas like Germany, where we work actually with our customers to help build up that infrastructure in a, in a solid way, whereby you can actually, uh, the recycling facility does have the ability to then um, make some money out of recycling cartons, not only recycling PET. So we do feel we have a role to play there, Alex, for sure. And is and is is this a goal from like a Tetra Pak perspective to um, to verticalize the business into that direction? Because you could offer like the carton, you could offer like the machine that fills like the milk or the juice in in the carton, which, which I think you do in in some some cases. Uh, but you could also provide like the uh, recycling facility. To do it because right now everything is like shipped to very big facilities, factories where some of the stuff is burned, some of the stuff is recycled, lots of stuff is um, is, is sorted um, already. But it could be like a 
there could be like a Tetra Pak recycle container in every supermarket, which you where you can hit like 10 cents or like a dollar for every um, for every carton you're putting in there. And then this kind of thing uh, um, is much better equipped. So working in this kind of closed loop uh, at a company, your scale uh, uh, might, might, might be a thing because you, you can control the input, you can control the output, you can control the whole circuit. Is, is it something that, that would make sense from a Tetra Pak perspective? We're working a lot with our customers and with the retailers um, to, to ensure that the availability of recycling bins is, is there. I think that's the first step is ensuring that people know how and where to recycle Tetra Pak cartons. Again, very obvious in some places, not so obvious in others. When it comes um, to the buyback or the, the additional deposit, if you will, on uh, buying something that's in a Tetra Pak carton and then getting that money back, that's something that we need to work more closely with retailers and with consumer brands uh, to, to de determine whether that's a motivator. Is that something that's going to motivate people to recycle more, to um, to to save the planet more than what they're doing today. And if we find the indications that that is more of a, of a motivator for people, then sure, let's work together. I don't think that it's it's a, a matter of just Tetra Pak working on something as a business-to-business -business company. We need to align with governments, with legislation, with um, authorities, and, and understand fully what we need to do in order to get recycling rates up, in order to be become a more sustainable planet. You're leading Tetra Pak's marketing um, efforts. Um, when you're thinking about marketing, do you think about B2B marketing so that more companies that are producing juice or milk are, are uh, using Tetra Pak? Or do you think about B2C marketing? You know, I have to think about both because we get a lot of insights from um, consumers. We really do understand our, our consumers very well. And we need to understand what they want out of brands and what they want out of retails. Because I mean, really, consumers have a lot of power when it comes to uh, what retailers and what brands are doing. What I think that is that our role in Tetra Pak is that um, we have a role between consumers and retailers. We know that the value chain is a, is a complex network where each link has a specific role to play and it's codependent on each other. And then in the food supply chain, we feel that retailers are the most important interface between these consumers and packaging suppliers. And as the messenger between what consumers want and what packaging and food manufacturers supply, retailers we really feel are at the coal face. So that's why I feel I also need to speak to both retailers and brands and have more of a marketing approach to helping them succeed. But they always need to understand that consumers have a real power over retail and what they buy. We do a lot of studies, Alex, and, um, and, and what we find is that it's encouraging to see now that retailers are really responding to consumer demand, which is a real demonstration of the effectiveness of people power. Um, we've done a study recently that, um, where we studied retailers, and 97% of the respondents believe that their customers are the ones taking action to reduce their impact on climate change. And this same number believe it's affecting their purchasing decisions. So as a marketeer, I need to understand that uh, the consumers are really driving the bus. When we look at um, the survey in even more detail, we see that eight in 10 of the retailers reported that they have customers calling for more sustainable packaging options. Nine in 10 say that they've changed their approach to what packaging they offer. And this is in response directly to climate change concerns. 
And we had one retailer even say that the customers are the key influencer, so that's why I need to listen to them. Once they demand something, the shops and the buyers have no choice but to take notice and put pressure on their suppliers. So it's really ultimately coming down to when concerned citizens band together and demand change, we have to listen and we have to deliver. And I have to deliver to them. But 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 do you, do you see this as a business chance? Because if I'm thinking this through, having like a Tetra Pak labeled supermarket, so let's say it's 100% Tetra Pak proof, though all the packaging you're buying here, all the cartons you're buying here are part of the recycling industry. So there's no there's no waste, something which cannot be um, achieved by um, by the supermarket or by the retailers on their own because there's so many different uh, um, so many different suppliers with different uh, cartons with different uh, different like PET uh, um, um, things. But having this kind of label uh, um, could be something where you you become a much more um, important brand from a B 2 C uh, perspective. Is it something where you can help or where where you say okay? If this product is from Tetra Pak, I'm 100% sure from a customer perspective that is um, that fits uh, with with our recycling industry and it can be reused as like I don't know a tile or or whatever or or even like a new Tetra Pak in the future. I, I mean, I I think that we do agree we have a a, a responsibility to play a, a responsibility to consumers. We have a role to play with them that. We teach them about, again, the circularity of Tetra Pak cartons of the coming from responsible forests and being able to be repurposed in the future. Uh, we, we recognize that 35% of consumers are more frequently choosing brands based on their sustainability credentials, even more so than, than what was happening before the pandemic. So I think we have a role to play, but we can't do it alone, Alex. We really need the brands, we need the retailers, we need the recyclers, all of us need to work together. We have a very good example in the US of how we work with what's called the, cart the Carton Council. So it's not only Tetra Pak, it's other carton suppliers. Uh, and we work together to try and promote the, the, um, the value of the carton, the purpose of the carton, the difference between using a carton and PET or a glass bottle, and, and really try and take a, a holistic view, a broad view of how we can help change the way that consumers drink milk or juice um, from and make responsible choices when they uh, when they go to the supermarket. Um, we know that the carton not only has the benefit of circularity, but we know that we have the ability to, to have long shelf life. And, and we know now that consumers are choosing much more, 43% actually, are choosing long shelf life products that keep the pan to keep the pantry stocked. A lot of things happening after the pandemic. So I think, you know, not only taking the sustainability angle, but also taking the the um, the whole broader aspect of, of how consumers are stocking their pantries and what's good for them and what's good for the planet. Mm, okay, uh, I, I got it. I got it. And do you do you see that there's like a, a bigger need, a bigger um, demand for sustainable uh, packaging solutions in, in Europe than it is, for example, in Asia or in, in the US? So are we more or in the Nordics actually, where where Tetra Pak was born? Yeah, no, I, I think there are differences in, in in people wanting or paying for more sustainable packaging. Uh, it's it's really interesting to see what people say and then what people do. As we know, it doesn't always work in the, hand in hand. People say they would like to buy more sustainable packaging, but if it costs more or if it has additional complications, well, then maybe they will not put their money where their mouth is. 
But uh, there are absolutely differences in, in the, the level of, of care that people have, the recycling rates, the ability to recycle, the need to have and want to buy sustainable products. But what we're seeing are the trends are all going in the right direction, that everyone is becoming more and more interested in sustainable packaging. So that's the, the trend that we're banking on. And um, we, we know now also from the studies that we do that 84% of the of, of respondents to our survey say that the use of environmentally sound packaging would make them more likely to consider brands, whether that's a retail brand, a private label, or a real consumer brand. But so, so you, you said it before, you're focusing on your partners, on your retail partners or the, or the ones that are using like your, your packaging. But, but have you tried out some, some B2C experiments in, in some of the regions where you're active? Like, uh, let's say one of this, uh, one of, uh, I don't know, um, one of these boxes where you can like order stuff automatically, like without like a retail um, store um, around it could be like Tetra Pak proof, for example. You know, we're, we're, um, we're seeing a lot of supermarkets having plastic-free aisles, and this is where we think we can then work closely with the consumers to investigate whether that's something that they want to, to, to buy into. We um, recently had a, a, a customer, Morrison's, in the UK. They're a, a retailer with their own private milk brand, and they announced that they're going to move away from plastic bottles and start selling their branded milk in Tetra Pak cartons to reduce its plastic usage. Here's where we need to track and study how the consumers are, are, are reacting to that, that bold move that they're making. I think another area where we can be closer to consumers is using uh, what we have, a, a digital code on the package. We have QR codes that um, our customers, the brands or the retailers, can put on the package. That then can be used to do consumer engagement campaigns, to go back and look at provenance, to do track and tracing, but to learn more about what the consumers are looking for when it comes to food and beverage packaging and products. So yeah, I think that, that is one way that we're trying to become much more connected to consumers is through consumer engagement campaigns together with our customers. Can you uh, can you give us a, a bit more insights about the difference between like PET and plastic and uh, and the Tetra Pak carton? Because like from a from a consumer perspective, we are all like uh, uh, we are all like throwing it in the same yellow bin in uh, in, in in Germany. But you say there's like uh, a mill company moving away from plastic to to Tetra Pak. So can you tell us a little bit about the the, the specific difference here? Yeah, sure. So um, let me let me go back a little a little bit of time because it, it starts with responsible sourcing. So this to me is is the the most important part where Tetra Pak was really ahead of the curve, uh, and and in fact in 2007 we started working with um, the Forest Stewardship Council and we launched the first FSC. That's the acronym Forest Stewardship Council. The first FSC certified Tetra Pak package with Sainsbury's in 2007. So the number of cartons already going from 2007 is surpassing 500 billion in 2019. So we've really seen the interest and the pull from consumers grow in that responsible sourcing. You know, with PET, a big difference in responsible sourcing because it is not a, it is not coming from a forest, it's not coming from a tree. So with Tetra Pak, the big difference in how we propose to work with sustainability is that we're working really on circularity, that we're working on responsible sourcing and responsible recycling. 
uh, and turning in cartons into something that can be repurposed. So it, it, so it, just uh, I'm sorry, I should yeah, not sure. interrupt you. So it's a paper-based product, you say? It's so a, the, the, the yes. basic ingredient is like wood? It's paper, uh, wood, oh, yes, oh, okay. yes, okay. yes. And seventy percent of the of of the comes from renewable sources. Seventy percent of the, the carton comes from renewable sources. Of course, there's an alloy foil bit in there. Uh, we've done some really cool experiments. If you wanted to ever just see how you could recycle a, 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 a carton, it's as simple as putting water in a blender in a carton, and you can see that it separates, and then the wood part, the paper part, goes to one side, and then the alloy foil goes into another side. So it's a, it's a very simple process. Um, for understanding again the circularity of it, and, and have you seen like a big spike of the demand uh, with the uh, with with all the global discussion about sustainability, cleaning up um, the oceans? Because I would have said, okay, if there's now such a pressure on the let's say plastic industry, uh, uh, there must be a big spike in like alternative products. Where like Tetra Pak is obviously like uh, one of the number one providers. Um, for those products, so do do you see like um, uh, demand growth based on uh, uh, um, um, uh, which is more or less aligned with the discussion on uh, on ocean cleanup and less plas and plastic waste um, and stuff? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, again, the Morrison's example of having uh, switching all of their their branded milk from plastic to carton is one big example of how we're seeing things shift to the carton. We're seeing a lot of, of reference products like food supplement and nutrition, um, things that were in the plastic bottle now moving over into cartons. We're seeing things like broths and, and juices shifting again over into, into, into the carton. Um, so with that, of course, we know that um, with single-use plastic bans coming across all of Europe, we also have a responsibility to make sure that our carton material follows the bands, that the plastic straws migrate to paper straws, that where possible we, we create an opening, a micro-injection molded opening where the straw is actually no longer necessary, so you can just drink from the carton. So everything that we're doing in this over 100 million euro of R&D investment every year is really gearing up to becoming a much more sustainable package that suits the needs of consumers without compromising food safety, product quality, or the nice ease of drinking from a, a, a container. Okay, let, let's talk about a, a bit about your B2B customer side. I understand there's no B2C online shop from Tetra Pak where I can, uh, where I can buy Tetra Pak products uh, from, uh, from home. Not yet. There might be some, uh, some in the future. On the B2B side, is, is e-commerce a relevant part of your business? Do you, do you need e-commerce to get in contact with potential customers to, to, uh, to manage the customer relationship uh, via e-commerce strategies? hundred percent, yes. So um, with the pandemic, we, uh, we did a survey just after the, the start of the pandemic, and we saw that over half of the respondents worldwide said that they buy food and beverages online. And 40% of these online, online buyers said they started since the pandemic, and 80% said that they'll continue in the future. So both Tetra Pak, cons um, our customers and retailers need to be really aware of this. Um, they say that their purchases are planned, They say that their preferred channel is a supermarket or convenience store rather than any specialist kind of online platform. And they want to go to these trusted retail platforms and that trust extends to the products too. 
Uh, we're also seeing that with retail uh, we're, and, and e-commerce, private level, uh, private label is strikingly high. The trust in, in private label is strikingly high online. Three quarters of respondents, especially for dairy, plant-based and other beverages, said that they really do trust uh, the branded label, private branded label. And brand matters less online than it does offline. Consumers tend to be less loyal, with almost 40% saying that they're more open to experiment when buying via digital services. So all the trends are going in the right direction, and there is no better package for online buying and shipping than Tetra Pak. I don't know about you, Alex, but I like Tetris. And Tetra, Tetra Pak packages fit so nicely into an online shipping box. So you can minimize the, the amount of space waste and have that specifically directed to your front doorstep. That, that's true. I've never thought about it because in, in, in Germany, we have uh, there was like a big competition between uh, um, uh, beverage delivery companies. And we have like this big boxes, obviously, with like uh, glass bottles in it, which makes it very heavy, hard to transport. But I never thought about the transportation uh, um, qualities or advantages from uh, from Tetra Pak packaging. That's, it's true. It's true. So I, to I totally believe I totally believe it. But again, going back to the, your own like uh, B2B e-commerce um, um, ex ex experience, Let, let's say I'm in I'm in um, I'm a milk producer, and I want to I want to move away from glass bottles into like the Tetra Pak uh, environment. So how hard is it is it for me to get in contact with you? We are like an online experience. Can I buy like machinery? Can I get like all the documentation already uh, um, um, online? Do we have a customer success management that serves uh, that that serves me as a customer from a WhatsApp perspective? for example. Yeah, absolutely. Any one of those those areas you could go in online. In fact, um, you can go to our website. You can become part of our customer portal where we have uh, things called Product Explorer, where you can start to investigate not only from a packaging filling line, but also from a production point of view, processing equipment, homogenizers, separators, how you might reformulate. All of this can be done online. Not only that, but you can do a lot of things virtually with testing out your products. We have um, all across the world something called product development centers. And in these product development centers, they're almost mini factories. Since the pandemic hit, we weren't able to have customers in physically. So we did a lot of trials on different product formulations and packaging virtually. And of course, you rely on us to taste the different formulations and then we can ship things so that you yourself as, as the customer can taste to see if the formulation is the right one. And using that, um, that those virtual meetings and the, the, the factories that we have, you have the ability to test all kinds of things from product formulation, also to the packaging material that you want to sell in, in the carton. Ah, okay, okay, but when I'm now clicking on the Tetra Park website and I try to buy one of the big machines, there's no buy button yet, so... Um... Because what you will need to do, of course, it, we are an engineering company, right? So we do need to make sure that everything that you're doing as a customer you do in a, a food safe and food quality uh, keeping those two things in mind so everything you will need to connect with a person at some point in your uh in your digital journey in order to have us help you determine what's best for you what's what are your um what are your sustainability goals what's the value add what consumers are you trying to reach so there is no just buy a plant button not today 
and I'm not sure that there ever will be because we really do feel like the expertise in the company adds a lot of value to what you need to do and how you need to hit the market running. I, I believe that, but but I had like other guests here, like from the B2B environment that said, okay, they also believe that, but there are customers now that are buying complex machinery, machinery for $50,000, $100,000 just online, and they never met those customers. Obviously, they are not in the food uh, um, industry. There might be other regulations in the food uh, industry, but it's definitely possible to sell uh, the machinery you're offering on the on the the equipment sections on the website uh, um, online. But um, but going back to this experience, I understand there's no buy button yet. Maybe not in the nearer future. Do you uh, do you have like an online marketing team uh, doing uh, doing keyword management for uh, Google ads or Facebook ads uh, just in case when somebody is searching for Tetra Pak sustainable products, sustainable packaging, he shows up on the Tetra Pak website? Yeah, we, um, we, ha we have a digital team working with our customers to help them enter into the digital environment. We also have plant automation. We have, of course, um, the connected package, meaning the QR code that can be used both in factories as well as to connect with the consumer. So we have a very big uh, team working on digital solutions. Again, our responsibility is to make sure that our customers' factories work very, very well, seamlessly, uh, even to the degree of having some factories that are lights out, where they run completely on their own with automation um, in the factories. So we do have the big team from a marketing perspective. Yes, we have a, a huge responsibility to bring our customers who are in many cases, Alex, very traditional dairy customers into a new age and showing them how they can connect better with consumers, how they can rebrand, use things like augmented reality on the package to be able to speak and communicate better with, with consumers. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid and sat down for breakfast, I used to read cereal boxes. And you know, the cereal box was the same. You didn't finish a cereal box within a week and you just kept reading the same cereal box. Imagine augmented reality on a package where you could have a different message every day and sit and look and, and read and learn something new every day by having a connected package. And what you could learn about me as a customer, um, if I'm a consumer, you could learn so much more about what I'm interested in. I think that's the angle we're trying to take in marketing is to really understand what consumers want and to s help support our customers to give consumers what they want. Watch this space, Alex, in a few years to see if there's something more that we can do when it comes to buying um, our customers directly buying online. We have the ability now for com uh, plant components to be able to buy and configure some things, um, but not full factories yet. Uh, okay. And do you help then your customers with this augmented reality experience, for example, on, on the boxes? Do you provide the technology for even adding this to the package? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it can go through um, the way that the package is designed, or it can also go through the bespoke QR code. So you can imagine a unique code on every package that speaks to Alex. And when Alex looks up Team Ferrari, uh, then he we know a little bit more about Alex. And then we can then target different products and different designs of packages to make sure that Alex feels like he is part of a community and that um, that the package is actually speaking to him and helping him. Mm, okay, L looking forward, like into 2022 to 2025. So what are the biggest initiatives you're looking at or you're, you're waiting for when it comes to Tetra Pak? 
No, I think there are two journeys that we're on in, in TetraPak. The first is, of course, the sustainability journey to make sure that our package is is renewable and recyclable, and that the um, the, the 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 circularity of it is is really fulfilled. That we really do see that we're still continuing to to work with sustainable forests, and that we're also looking at a packaging material that can be uh, fully recyclable and renewable. The second bit is this digital journey that I'm talking to you about that, that really is more than just about the digital factory and the automated factory, but also about the track and traceability that, that um, we could have by having unique codes on every package. You can imagine in a horrible situation if there's a recall or, or some, a food safety issue at one of the factories, how it would, important it would be to have individual codes so that you can identify through the distribution chain chain to be able to get um, packages back that are unsafe for consumers. On the positive, um, nice note, of course, it's all about learning more about consumers. And, and if we can have a bespoke code on every package, we can actually speak to consumers in a unique uh, way. So digital sustainability, those are my two areas. Okay, and is there like a, a, a new um, competition coming uh, coming around you're looking at? Because when I'm looking, for example, to the new grocery delivery services in Germany, they are also telling this circularity stories. I want to give me like boxes that can be like reused, especially companies like uh, Picnic, which is a new company from uh, from the Netherlands, um, or other companies are trying to do uh, um, the same. Also pretty much playing in this um, sustainability uh, um, field. Do you expect competition from this side? Because customers are so aware now, nobody wants to throw away plastic bottles um, anymore. Um, they, we want to reduce waste, uh, which is like another uh, initiative. Do, do you see it uh, um, on, on your competitive um, analysis already? Absolutely, but we welcome this type of competition. It only makes us stronger. It only makes us innovate faster so that we can become uh, the, the package of the future. Um, when other competitors come in with reusability or even if, if uh, retailers are promoting bring your own glass bottle and you can fill up your milk there, I think that's, that's a wonderful way for all of us to get behind what we have been behind for so many years. And that's about sustainability. That is about saving the planet and making our package most renewable and, uh, and sustainable that there is. I mean, that is about uh, protecting food It's about making food safe and available everywhere. So uh, again, the competition is most welcome. It, it inspires us to be even better. And one last question. So um, I've been involved in like many, many businesses which I founded or invested um, in. And one of the main questions we're usually asking ourselves, so what is like the gross bottleneck? So what is like restricting your gross most? Looking at the Tetra Pak, uh, a business that could be many different things. So it could be like, demand from uh, from retailers it could be um, it could be it could be like the adoption rate from consumers that are focusing more on the price than on, sus on sustainability could be not enough uh, wood uh, wood material in in the asian markets uh, uh, because there, there are no forests uh, um, actually um, could be hr related issues so if you're looking now forward to the next year or so what 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 do you think could be or is your bottleneck growing from the 10 million you have already 10 billion you've already achieved to the next to the next 10 billion yeah i i think our biggest bottleneck is is really sharing with the world how circularity is important 
as important as recyclability. So really pushing the fact that that you know made from paper and then can be repurposed from that paper after it's done is is really something that we need to take a lot of time in helping consumers and customers understand. We have a role to play with governments, with um, influencers, with customers, with consumers to to really help them understand what is the right solution when it comes to sustainability. And I and I think having this opportunity to be with you here today and to explain a little bit more about why we feel like we have such a strong role to play in the future of packaging solutions um, is one way for us to do such a thing. Uh, that to me is is really the, the biggest hurdle that we need to have to overcome is to continue to beat that drum and to rely on, on people like you, Alex, who, who bring it to the forefront and say, wow, why would we choose a carton package over a PET bottle? So for this, I thank you. <laughs> you're welcome you're welcome i have one one more guerrilla marketing uh question so if this is your bottleneck if it's, if it's really like the um if it's really like the um the adoption of the idea that um how, how you consume your products and how the products are um are packaged um is really impacting our environment wouldn't it be a smart idea to be like the main sponsor of something like the ocean cleanup uh, uh, project? So whenever this kind of uh, um, the circularity thing is discussed, then somebody with a Tetra Pak logo stands behind the guy or the girl. Uh, uh, so you're connected with a good cause. Yeah, yeah. I think um, there's not one big um, area where we donate. But what I think that you will find is that there are a lot of areas where we stand up locally within communities to say, hey, we are sponsoring this cleanup of the local beach or, hey, we're sponsoring this um, food, food drive um, when the pandemic hit. Yes, I, I think that's m much more where we play in those local areas um, rather than making a big splash. We, we are a, a privately held company um, with very strong core values, but are very strongly linked not only to our Swedish roots, but also to the communities in which we function. So yes, I completely agree that we need to put our Tetra Pak logo up at, and say, yes, we are helping, but maybe we don't want the grand slam of everything. Maybe it starts with a village. It starts locally. I mean, I, I, I don't know. So we can discuss after we've, we've we stopped the recording. So I, I think this kind of uh, uh, ocean cleanup hack could could help the cause. It's a good thing. So uh, we have to bring it. I through. welcome your marketing advice anytime, Alex. Yeah, so I hope you. we can continue this. Yeah. Thank you for your time, Julia. It was a great podcast. All right. Thank you very much, Alex. Bye for now.